everyone, welcome back to Consensual. I'm Lauren, and on this episode, Reagan and I are speaking with Heidi Barb, um, one of our health and wellness teachers at Conville High School. She has been incredibly supportive of the consent curriculum that we wrote recently, and in this episode, we talk about health education and the conversations surrounding consent ed, among other things. Uh, So yeah, we hope you guys enjoy. Um, so, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and explain, like, your role at Conval? Sure. My name is Heidi Barb, and I am a health and wellness teacher at Conval Regional High School in Peterborough, New Hampshire. And um, I teach here the Health and Wellness 2 curriculum, which is primarily juniors and seniors, and then an elective fitness course. And what was, like, your original training on consent and sex ed that, like, kind of prepared you for teaching this kinds of these kinds of things in school (laughs) very little actually I I thought back about that earlier when um we were discussing this I went to school to become a personal trainer and then I coached college for a few years so teaching in general wasn't really on my radar and then I went back and got my master's in education which is not a typical path always to becoming teaching so I don't have like any undergraduate teaching It was more of a science-based curriculum. So then I went to graduate school and got my master's in teaching, which was more um, overview, big picture pedagogy about why education is important in different ways to big picture ways to teach different things in classes, techniques, but nothing health and PE specific. Most of that was my own I mean it did apply to my undergrad a lot. I have a ton of health and you know physical fitness but nothing sex education specific. So all of my learning came through teaching, actually being in a classroom and a lot of older mentor teachers to begin with. And then as you start to invest and care about your curriculum and your kids, you dig deeper and try to find what you can. In our like previous conversations, I think you mentioned maybe going to a workshop or, or something, do you want us? talk about that for a second (laughs) well there's tons in general in um, education you have to have continued at every year um, professional development hours and health is the hardest one to find it's really easy for some reason to find physical education continued hours but health is a little more challenging and it tends to not be specifically geared toward schools and more just general health so there's a lot of shops with like nurses and other healthcare professionals. So, um, but there's one in, it's called NAFERD here in New Hampshire, but it's an organization that works specifically with health and PE. And then at those, they always have a one or two that apply to sex ed and consent. So any specific consent and sex ed training I've had would be through NAFERD. And it's like a two day, maybe two hour clinic of like, remember to touch upon these or here's the statistics and this is why it's important okay um so like with that training how would you describe your experience in school so this your experience with students how they understand and react to certain material and i know you've taught in a couple of different places so um like how do they differentiate um and have you found that like teaching a specific way or more content leads to a more mature understanding in the classroom that's a big question yeah so I think with any career teaching included you you get better as you do it with time and you start to learn 
new tricks of the trade, right? Like talking, me talking at you guys is not a very effective way of teaching. And um, that's why this remote year was super challenging because there was a lot of that and most mm -hmm. of us don't enjoy that anymore. But um, in health specifically, we used to do a lot of scenarios, like if this, how would you react? Or And then a lot of statistics to support, like this is why this is important. This is why we need to talk about it. And then vocabulary, which seems like such a boring thing, but if you don't understand the vocabulary, especially about your body, and then you can't possibly understand the processes and you know what the long-term effect of your health is. So um, I think in health, if you have a mature enough class, having meaningful discussions where everybody's able to safely share their perspectives and views and hear other perspectives. If you have a class, I've had some, they're very mature and those dialogues are so valuable just to listen to what other people's ideas are. So maybe we present a concept and the vocabulary around it and the bigger picture and the statistics and then you dive in, but it really depends on the maturity of the class. If you have a super immature class, they're just not able to dialogue like that. So then you have to break it down into littler pieces and activities and hopefully derive, you know, get to the same endpoint, but with a lot more structure. Yeah, because yeah. they just can't. Guidance. Yeah. yeah. It I, makes a big difference. Um, I know you mentioned, like, I think this was really interesting in past conversations when you talked about, like, working at different schools and what you were allowed to teach mm -hmm. at different schools. Um, would you want to talk a little bit about that? And yeah, well, every part of the country, I've taught in uh, Oregon, Maine, and New Hampshire, and every part of the country has a little bit different idea of the best way to teach kids. I always am entertained by the politicians saying we need universal public education, and what I think, I can't even imagine because this is such a diverse country, but Oregon is where I grew up as a student myself and was in high school 19... 89 through 1993 and I learned how to put a condom on a banana <laughs> way back then yeah. but um and then I taught in Oregon and same we had actually um man not bananas we had actual penises and we taught everyone how to do them and I would say um as I was leaving my friends who are teachers out there now said no no now we have vagina models as well and we show the appropriate not only genitalia when we're doing um, human anatomy and physiology of your reproductive system, but how do you do a breast self-exam? And we have, you know, fake breasts with lumps in them, mm -hmm. and we have the girls feel for what does a lump feel like, and this is how you would use a dental dam, and this is how you'd use a female condom. But the whole community is in support of it, so it's not this shocking thing. Sexuality is it's rolled out much younger like in fifth grade they start talking about hiv aids this is oregon still yes yeah. and then so you progress through this it's some it's you have a lot more mature conversations because we started the conversations younger and we're just like sexuality is part of the human condition and physiology and your body and you're all sitting here because somebody reproduced <laughs> so let's talk about this and the spectrum of safe and healthy sex and unsafe and unhealthy sex and relationships. And then I moved to Maine and it was like a 180. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about that. This is, um, I taught in a community in Maine that I don't wanna say by name, but it's a very Catholic-based community. So there was no sex ed until high school because they didn't believe their students would be doing those things. And they, if they were, they didn't believe in birth control anyway. Mm -hmm. And they were all waiting until they were married. 
Mm-hmm. You guys can tell me how realistic you. <laughs> so, um, and then I would say New Hampshire is was somewhere in the middle, but I taught at Bedford and Wyndham, and um, I don't know what they did in their middle schools there. I wasn't there long enough to like vertical team and stuff, but um, it's pretty similar to what we do here. Mm. So I would say if the experiences I've had in New Hampshire, they're pretty close to each other. Did you, were you able to like observe a difference in like student like reaction to the content like in Oregon versus here, like your classes, were they different? It's a lot less shocking, uh, I think because it's just something that's part of our dialogue out there. So it's, in general, the state of Oregon is a lot more liberal than New England. And so I think a lot of things that would be shocking for New Englanders Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, just aren't because it's a different way of life. I would, you know, I don't know. I think that's probably true. If we went to the South, we would probably see a lot different. Yeah. I feel like there's that trope that I feel like we talk about all all the time (laughs) Um, about how, like, there's teenage boys who don't take this specifically sex and consent ed curriculum seriously and they're laughing making jokes often inappropriate or insensitive jokes and um i feel like that's certainly because of the way that they've been introduced to the content like it's not completely their fault like obviously they shouldn't be doing those there's things. a lot of cultural pressure on boys too to just like girls whatever your you know the pressure on females is i feel like i'm much more in tune to just by nature of being a female but i think that the pressure on young men to be no matter how they identify or what their sexual preference is, there's still a prefer- there's still a pressure to be male and masculine, even if they don't buy into that, that pressure exists, right? And if you're if you feel like you're not at measuring up, I guess, then maybe I can see where that insecurity drives a lot of young men to make really poor and unthoughtful choices and decisions. I'm raising two young men and I'm super mindful of all this I think because it's part of my life as an adult but I'm forever talking about and then their friends are over and like did your mom just say the word penis <laughs> I, I did but that's what it's called so yeah and it isn't in any way it in a you know it would it's not a inappropriate reference at the time to what we're speaking of but if taken out of context I'm sure a lot of parents would be like what yeah then take the next one yeah, um, I guess, like, thinking about all those topics and concepts and the differences between, like, locations that you've taught in, like, w- what do you think that, like, teaching these new things that we've introduced in this new curriculum, like, porn literacy or media literacy and, like, maybe more um, consent, like, outside of sex as well, and, like, how do you think that um, introducing those is going to, like, help maybe with the community and, like, why do you think it's important that, that it gets introduced? I think I, I'm hoping, because we do vertical team, I'm hoping I can um, convince the elementary and middle school teachers to just start using the term consent, and they don't need to use it in reference to yeah. Sorry, sex. Vertical team is... means when you meet, like, from kindergarten through gotcha. seniors, I say, are we... Does this make sense? Like consistency. Yeah. Do what are they seeing all the way through, and are we doing too much nutrition and not enough? (laughs) And which is always the case. But um, you guys, by the time you get to high school, you're like nutrition again. (laughs) The macronutrients. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping that that consent. 
I think it's really valuable. First of all, like I said, as boring as vocabulary seems in education, if you don't know what you're talking about, you really have no point of reference, right? right. So if we can start young on just the vocabulary and understanding deeper meaning of what these words and then greater concepts are, that's great so that by the time you get to middle school and high school, you can have some really meaningful discussions about it and maybe less silly discussions because it is a serious topic. Whether you're talking about healthy sex or, you know, sex crimes and violence, it's, it's still important. You need to know. I think it's like anything. If you don't know what you don't know, then how can you protect yourself? So, and others. Yeah, I think it's unfair to say that, like you were saying about young men and their attitudes towards it, I think you were right on. Like sometimes they're just ignorant to what they're saying and the ripple effect and the yeah. impact. I have of no that. foundation for that type of conversation. No, and if you look back, you guys are far too young, but. Um, like when my mom was a student this was not a thing right she was in high school in the 60s which was like free love and um, STDs were spread rampant in the 60s and 70s because they did they had no sex education and then they ramped up sex education and we saw um, unplanned pregnancy rates dip way way low and then AIDS came out in the early 80s and we had no idea how AIDS was spread and then we learned about it and we shared education about it and then we started to see the AIDS rates dip right and it's this it's the there's actually been no studies anywhere that have proven that sex a comprehensive sex education curriculum which would include consent um, which is newer on the radar which it never really should we've talked in the past but I don't think we ever labeled it consent we just you know it needs to be an open dialogue and healthy relationship but Sexual violence was not previously in the curriculum either. I'd say that's been in the last five or six years that certain pockets of the country are starting to address it. Obviously, you guys have found some great resources and some people are hitting it out of the park and doing a really great job. And some people, it's not even on their radar yet. Mm. But the originally when sex ed came out, there was strong opposition because they're saying, if you are saying if you're talking about sex in school, you're putting ideas into mm -hmm. people's minds. And that fear still exists. And I have a mother of three children. The thought of them being sexual beings just means they're growing up and that's extremely hard for parents. I don't want them to grow up. Mm -hmm. And I don't want them to share such a private part of themselves in a cavalier or you know, not careful way. But it's their body and their choice and I need to make sure as a parent that I give them all the tools I can to make wise choices about their life and I try to approach my students the same way like I'm just gonna tell you everything I can because you're gonna make choices for your life and people in favor of a comprehensive sex education usually feel that way right like let's give them everything we got and hope they can live a healthy fulfilling life people who are opposed are usually just scared, but their fear is warranted. It's not like, I get it, it's hard as a parent to let that go, but there's no studies, is what I was gonna say, that support sex education leading to higher sex rates. Yeah. In fact, the more we've rolled out sex, there's even been like this resurgence of waiting till you're in a monogamous long-term relationship, which for a long time wasn't even talked about, and now I'm seeing, and I'm hearing in class more and more teens saying, I'm just going to wait until 
I'm with the person I you know feel that I'm in a long-term relationship with. Hmm. There is science to say that the younger you start being sexually active, the more partners you'll have over the course of your life, which makes sense. Right. And then the more partners you have, the higher your odds of disease risk and all that. Mm. Um, you did mention like your your kids and like being a healthy eater. I think we've talked about this a little before in the past, and I do think it's interesting like how your like being a health teacher impacts like your parenting and like how you talk about <laughs> things with your kids and like do you I guess I think that like how parents talk about things with their kids is a really important topic and conversation to have I really wish I could have you say that to every new parent <laughs> I wish you had to take a course to be a new parent yeah because I think people don't realize that their actions speak so much louder than their words and no matter what they're saying do this don't do this the way they're living their life and the choices they're making and the words they're saying when their kids aren't directly listening but maybe around the corner mm -hmm. have a huge impact on the beliefs of those children yeah yeah i mean that's kind of like the whole argument of abstinence is like abstinence education teaches don't do sex don't do relationships you know no birth control because you're not having sex anyway and like the one thing we know about teenagers <laughs> and young people is like if someone's telling you not to do something you're gonna want to do it like right. you're gonna want to well, do it more and also it's like perfectly natural for you to want to do those things at that yeah, point in your, and life. your body is literally well, you're like, like you're never gonna be more interested again yeah yeah, yeah. It's, not, <laughs> it's not your fault it's nobody's fault it means that i always tell my own kids this it means your body's working correctly yeah this means everything's in order it's normal and natural and i think to just pretend it's not and be in denial is and I maybe that's because I'm an educator and but that's I mean there are some things I'd love to be in denial about but <laughs> it, that's not a very realistic or safe healthy yeah. way to lead your life so yeah. um I think Lauren what you were going to get at my husband is also works in the emergency room and I think that between the two of us nothing is shocking Mm. Truly, like I hang out with seventeen and eighteen year olds all day, <laughs> and my husband sees such a a wide array of the population, but emergent situations either by accident or really poor choices and um, I think because of that, you just i don't know i'm sure there's parents who would disagree with me and and that's fine i understand but i think we've just been desensitized to shock it does nothing surprises me anymore and i guess at the end of the day he and i both felt like let's just be honest that was our agreement as parents let's just be honest like we're never gonna if they ask us something directly even santa even Santa, Santa. it broke my heart to be like, well, because I promised myself I'd always be honest. When Tygen was in first grade, he asked me if he kissed a girl, could he have a baby with her? <laughs> Somebody told him at school he could. And I said no, but I wasn't willing to say, you know, the mechanics of reproduction to a six-year-old. So we talked about sperms and eggs and how you need a female, you know, egg and a male to make you know, 23 and we literally taught him mitosis myosis <laughs> and it was our way of being honest but kind of indirect until he was a little bit older and many people said you guys are nuts yeah but i said i want him to trust me when it counts 
a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't want him to look back and say, well, I don't know, my mom kind of tries to shelter me. I do try to shelter him, but I try to shelter him without lying too. And that meant being having really honest conversations. The other part of that is the human body is the human body. It yeah, is, there's so much shame. There's so much shame associated right. with having those conversations, and then like when you know teens or young people reach a certain age where like they may be v- vulnerable to like certain situations that are either unsafe or they're making decisions um, where they have to be conscious of what they're doing with their bodies. Like you don't want them to feel so ashamed that they can't like talk to you or you know yeah not talk about it in general. Yeah, I agree. Even if it's de- if it's not such a big deal, like. Th- we never, like, your kneecap is called your patella. So my three knuckleheads will say, oh, my gosh, I think I bruised my patella. <laughs> Even when they were really little. And my mom and dad used to tease me and say, your kids are super geeks. And I was like, no, but that's what it's called. Yeah, That's the right term for it. And your penis is a penis. And your vagina is a, and actually Frankie knows that it's not a vagina. It's a vulva. And she has a labia and an inner and an outer layer. Because that's, their, I didn't name them. So if she asked me if, you know, what each part of her body, I'm not going to tell her that her finger is something else because, right. so I just thought from an early age, yeah, well, there's a name for it and we're just going to use the name that mm-hmm. it came with. And I, a lot of people don't agree with that and that's totally fine. But I thought that maybe hopefully that if she someday had trickier questions, at least I wasn't adding to the complexity of the situation. Mm-hmm. These situations are complex enough, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to add a layer of awkward guilt or mm-hmm. shame on top of it. Yeah. Um, so what do you think the impacts of, like, I know to jump back to curriculum because we've been talking kind of out of school a little bit, um, the impacts of an evolving curriculum or a full curriculum would look like not even on students but, like, on young people in general? I mean, I would hope ever the optimist in education that if you, if we could, I mean, I, uh, this is a loaded question. Yeah, it's okay. My beliefs and then my professional teaching stance don't always, they can't always cross over because I just don't have that kind of freedom. But if we look back at research or if we look at countries who are um, more sexually open and comfortable with sexuality than the United States, their rates of sexual violence and unplanned pregnancies and STD rates are much lower than the United States. So I think you could make a really solid argument for it just there alone Mm -hmm. with statistics um, for those who don't want to believe it. But from a social emotional, which is always where I come at everything from, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, 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 numbers. I know those numbers are valuable, and I get it, but you two are not numbers. You are two humans that are in classes here at Conval, and so that's so much more valuable to me. And I think if you, whenever you educate somebody, you empower them. So the more, I think that's the bigger picture, is you have to empower people to make healthy choices for their life. So the more they understand, all the way from consent to what is pregnancy look like and what is on the other side of things like what is sexual violence, what are all the STDs you can get, it doesn't matter. Abstinence is included in that too. It's absolutely part of a comprehensive sex education. You don't have to have sex. The absolute safest way 
to stay healthy is to not do it. You could open up a can of worms about social emotional health and sexual connection and you know there's whole university courses on this <laughs> um, but I think the more you can arm them with obviously any individual on any topic the better choices they're gonna make for a fulfilling healthy life for themselves and for others I think is like the one of the hugest part of the conversation is like not only being able to enforce and assert your own boundaries but like learning how to pick up on others and how to like hear like oh I don't want to be hugged right now from somebody else so that you're not only like learning that about yourself but learning that about others and protecting other people which I think you guys are tuned into on a level even greater obviously than me too because I always look at it like okay when Lorian leaves this class what can Lorian do and I think the part of sex education that teachers, me included, for certainly me, have missed is that, like you're saying, it's, it's not just about keeping you safe for your whole life. It is about community health and safety, too, and being a good friend and partner and member of society. And that's part of the public education role is making contributing healthy members to society, too. And I think often in this... It seems more so to me in the last decade. I think maybe I'm just getting old. But um, <laughs> that people say, well, you do you. Uh, I'll do me. As long I got my... I kind of hate that saying because we don't live on an island. So you do you until it starts hurting my life. And th- that comes up a lot in drug education, honestly. Because they're like, why do you care? Why do you care? Well, I care if you run a light and you T-bone my car and you kill my kids in the back. Then I care. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that that... Outlook, you just brought it up and I thought about it. It's really true. That lens has to be put on more things than just drug education, right? Yeah. You yeah. have a responsibility to respect people's boundaries too. Yeah. And I don't know that that's happening in general. Like even just talking to people, I can't believe the way students speak to one another and to teachers. You know, 10 years ago, I could a kid would have been suspended for a week for saying some of the things that we get told on a daily basis now yeah it's just been a really huge shift socially in what's acceptable and what's not and sometimes those shifts are great and for the greater good and sometimes they're not right and it's finding that balance that's really challenging well i feel like that might be a good spot to wrap up unless either of you have anything you want to like add to say at the end no, I just wish that every single student had a passion like this so we could do this for every unit, certainly that I teach, but I bet every teacher in this school would be, this is what, when you become a teacher, this is what you hope education looks like. I'm super psyched that it looked like this at least once. <laughs> well, it was really fun working with you guys, and I think it was a really great experience for both Reagan and I. Yeah. And thank you for doing this with us. I think, like, we've obviously had these tangential conversations, you know, with the work that we do and the work that you do. Um, But I think, like, really putting them all in these questions and getting them all in one space, it's just, like, again, so interesting. And I hope other people take advantage of that, too. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Thank you. You girls have careers.